Hey, a mí, aquí, a mí, la lucha de siempre, la misma lucha de siempre, Vines. Uh, I know, I know how that is. Uh, you know, remember when I, uh, when I told you I got invited to a presidential candidate's event last week? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, when I was there, una prima mía, mm -hmm. she said, you got somebody to meet. And I was like, who? And she yeah. goes, una dominicana. I was like, yes, you know I have to meet her. Claro, claro. So I, I, I didn't really get a chance to talk to her too much, but the little bit that we did, you know, we bonded. And of course, I had to invite her on the show for many reasons. One, porque es dominicana. Claro que sí. Y segundo, she's a mover and a shaker in the political world. Uh, she's Dominican born. She graduated from Manhattanville College. She's a former staffer of the Hillary for America presidential campaign. And locally, she was a staffer for the Matt Hagman for Congress. And she is currently, check it out, the senior voter registration manager for New FM, New ah, Florida. We got Dominicana and New FM. That sounds good. That sounds good. I know. So, Teresa, tell us. Thank you guys for having me. So excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Uh, we know you were born in the Dominican Republic. Tell us a little about growing up in DR and how you got to the States. And was there a culture shock from DR to here? What's up? Tell us your transition. <laughs> um, yeah, I got here to the States uh, when I was 17. I moved here officially to go to school in Manhattanville College. Um, my Most of my family does live here. So I had, um, you know, summers in Miami and North Carolina, um, like a lot of uh, Dominican do. So that was how, how I was able to learn English and become as immersed as possible um, in American culture. Um, but uh, my school did have a really big uh, Dominican population. Um, so that definitely made the transition a lot easier. Uh, I felt like uh, I was just continuing high school. Um, I graduated from um, the LABC, America's Cultural Academy. Um, <laughs> LABC. Um, in 2012. Um, yeah, and I always knew I wanted to come to the States. I originally wanted to uh, be a journalist uh, because I was so inspired by Anderson Cooper. Um, in the Dominican, we really only get CNN and like Fox News, but I would always watch CNN um, because I think because of obvious reasons. Um, yeah. So I always became enamored with um, American politics through his eyes, so to say. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just got wrapped up in the politics and uh, and then suddenly I'm in Florida and suddenly it's 2016 um, and it just all kind of unraveled from there. I could imagine I can imagine and since you talked about 2016 that's when you had the opportunity to work for a presidential campaign. How was that? Yeah. And how do you think your family in DR was like had any effect? Like did they feel like you were living the American dream? Because <laughs> wow. Yeah they were definitely proud. Um, they um, especially my mom being a huge influence in my political affiliation and my own professional development. Um, she was extremely proud um, to have, you know, a daughter working for a presidential 
Um, I worked super hard over the course of my college career. Um, a lot of my friends were getting internships through, you know, their departments and through uh, the school and, and stuff like that. But I really, there was really no network of people that worked in politics um, and the political science department wasn't really that geared toward political campaigns. So that campaign was the first campaign that I was ever involved in. So I just kind of made me yuca and I reached out to who I had to reach out to. And you know, it, my mom has had always said, si And I literally did that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was really great. Uh, family was very proud of me for doing that. I, I can I can definitely I can definitely understand. You got something, LB? Yeah, Teresa. I'm curious. You know, you know, if you had to, you know, you learn a lot, especially on your first campaign. If there was something that you wish someone would have told you, what would it have been? Like, what, what's that one piece of information you would have been like, "Yo sabía esto." Dot dot dot. What's something that you wish you would have known before? You know, kind of jumping in. Oh, I wish somebody would have told me like, you don't have to say yes to every single thing that you're asked in a campaign um, and you need to take better care of yourself. Um, I think that campaign can wrap you up and they're so, I think, romanticized in media. Um, you know, you see like shows, you know, I, I, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I was watching The West Wing and I had this like really idealized, you know, vision of what politics was and it's really just a lot of hard work. Everything needs to be done right now, right this second, but there are some things that you can, you know, kind of reprioritize. So I wish somebody would have been like, you know, you don't, you don't have to say yeah to, you know, as an organizer, you don't have to like also help with hiring. But then it's like, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You want to succeed in the field that you're in. So you always want to say yes and do everything, but um, you know, it would cost. Um, and speaking of cost, um, there is, uh, it's very difficult to make a good living in campaign, um, especially a stable living, um, you know, Campaigns usually last anywhere from three to six months. Um, there is a lot, a little bit of financial planning that needs to go into it, um, which I did not have as a new graduate. Uh -huh. So I wish somebody would have been like, you know, maybe you should budget a little bit better, Teresa. That's true. I completely understand that. I think we've all been there at one point in our lives. And um, yeah. Well, yeah. And I, yeah, I know. And I was about to say, too, I think the other thing, too, is that there's a lot of glamour when you say not just about, you know, politics on TV, right? But I also think, like, within Dominican culture, I mean, la politica, tu sabes, is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, people think, I think that there is sort of a romanticization, right? Or at least people think, like, oh, if we're working in politics, there's, like, there's power, yeah. there's influence. And um, sometimes that power and influence, uh, you know, is, I don't want to say it's all for show, but but there's, there's, there's definitely not, a, there's definitely more to it, right, than that in some ways, right? Definitely. Um, and I think that a, a big part, I think Miami politics and Dominican politics are very similar in that they're very much geared towards that group mentality. Um, and it's all about who you know, right? Yeah. Same thing in Dominican politics. It's a little, in the DR, uh, you know, I, I was able to actually work this year a little bit 
it in um, in Dominican politics. And now this year, El PLD is going to have um, open primary, right, for the first time um, in its history. Um, so they're going through a whole transition period. And I was able to really kind of get in there the what the reality was, you know, because like you said, it's very glamorized, very idealized. Um, and it's really just like a bunch of old guys talking crap about doing things that they never end up doing. Um, and that was really disappointing to me. Um, and it made me realize that, you know, there's just so much more to what really needs the eye, you know? No, I completely understand. And I must say, my dad is probably one of those old guys because <laughs> he likes that purple yeah. and gold, baby. <laughs> well, and it's all, and, and look, I, and I also come, I, I try not to talk about, you know, I, I, I agree. I try not to talk a lot about, about Dominican politics because for me, when you look on the outside, it's also, um, you know, there's, I think one of the things having grown up in New York and having grown up and seeing some of that localized politics, I think there's a certain amount of accountability um, depending on where you live. And I think one of the things about Miami is that it is hard, right? Because I think people are sometimes spread around. I don't think sometimes in terms of local local politics, you got people, I guess in all places, people get elected in. And the real question folks sometimes ask is, well, what are you doing with that power, right? What are you doing um, you know, with that? So I think it's, it's, it's a real good question. Um, we're always trying to challenge not just our, you know, the elected officials, but also the people who do things um, and who are trying to, um, you know, and, and the folks who are, are, are working with those elected officials, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, um, I know, you, like we talked about earlier, you work for New FM, which is a flute of a new Florida majority. It works mm-hmm. to increase the voting and political power of Florida's black and brown community. And as we know, many people talk about Dominicans do not recognize their Afro-Latino roots. Have you mm-hmm. ever been felt or been in a situation that felt like you had to con- consciously dismiss those stereotypes about yourself or the organization you work for or defend, you know, saying that you are Dominican and working for there? Have you ever had that? Because, you know, sometimes I've seen in politics, we they, they say it, you know, Dominicana, I can't yeah. believe, you know, have you ever consciously, yeah. even subconsciously felt like you I had think, to dismiss that? Yeah, I think I always try to be, I always try to balance my pride in who I am, where I come from, and my history, um, and falling into those stereotypes that I think a lot of people have that aren't Dominican. There are very like distinct Dominican stereotypes yes. that because I'm very outspoken and I'm very like I, I like to be around people and I'm very sociable and I'm very proud of my heritage. I'm still like self-conscious about showing that I um to an event because I, I don't know. Like there's, there's definitely some like internalized racism going on there, um, which goes from like watching the way that I talk, my volume and like the fact that I straighten my hair though. And I know that I, you know, shouldn't feel ashamed of the, the like the normal texture of my hair. Um, so I, I think it's like a, a in USM, I, I, it's one of those places where I always feel so accepted and being and not being the only person of color in the room makes me feel so good and makes me feel so seen in a, in a really good way because I'm used to working in environments where I'm the only I'm the only Dominican but I'm also the only Hispanic and I'm also a lot of times the only woman so it's like a you know a triple threat there um, yeah. but it's always I think I, I always struggle with that with my identity um, wanting to fit in um, but also never wanting to lose my vibe and 
I think especially um, this year that I was able to actually go back and work in the DR for a few months um, that I was able to really tackle kind of those feelings of not feeling, you know, connected to my roots. So now it's like a, a matter of like, how do you juggle? And that's something that I think every Dominican struggles with. Like, how do I develop my professional career by avoiding these like negative, usually negative stereotypes that people attach to my culture without losing myself in it and my family's history? Yeah, and, and, and having think having that pride built on something um, that is also like solid and positive, right? And I think, you know, I think yeah. sometimes people, I think people sometimes hide behind pride, um, because, mm-hmm. you know, as a way of not, you know, of not dealing with you know, you know, a, a, a culture's mistakes and missteps, right? And I think, you know, Venus and I, I've talked about that, that, that just because you're proud of, of your culture doesn't mean that you're, you're, you think that your culture is perfect, right? Or that it's also right. not, that it's stagnant, right? That it stays the same. I think so many times we, we get caught up in thinking that our identity is, is fixed, right? When the truth of the matter is that we are constantly changing, we're constantly in a, in a constantly changing world. And just because something is changing doesn't mean that there's no permanence to it, right? But you're not, you know, I, I think we would hope that we don't think the same way when we're 20 as we do when we're 30 and we're 40 and, and those kind of things. Right. And so I think that yeah. there's this idea that, that somehow our identity that, that we can both be, you know, we can both have strong identities, but also be very willing to continue to learn and be, um, and learn not just about ourselves, but also learn how to engage and interact with, with other folks from, from other cultures and even our own, you know, our own cultures. Yeah. And that's yeah, one of the reasons why we, we, we were talking about this program when we were saying it, because, you know, everybody's, yeah, we're all Dominican, but also the, our life changes and cultivates us. And sometimes of our experiences, you know, you got a chance to work on a presidential campaign and you went from seeing West Wing and Anderson Cooper and saying, realizing, oh, it's not as, <laughs> it's not as easy um, as, uh, as it looks to be, you mm-hmm. know, so, um, you know, and, and talking about, you know, Dominicans, you know, we're the fifth largest uh, Latino group in the U.S. and we are passionate about two things, baseball and politics. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and, you know, we're also not known in the United States as passionate we are about DR politics. In the United States, we're really not known to be the active voters. I mean, Latinos come out to vote, but when they break it down, they always say Dominicans don't come out. Now, do you think that's true? And, you know, do you think we can change it? And what can we do to change it if it is, you know, a fact? Yeah, um, I think there are a couple of things on that. One is that Dominicans voting in the Dominican Republic have an astronomically high uh, level of turnout. There's usually a minimum of like 60% turnout, which if you compare to the the United States, uh, granted, there's a very large population um, difference, but it's still extremely high to think that 60% of the population comes out every four years and goes out to vote. Um, so I think that the I think when you when Dominicans come out into the United States, they are I don't know I, I guess they become so apathetic because it's like one it's so routine to go vote so there's no like activism part of it and there's no like emotional appeal I feel like in Dominican politics. 
Um, and then there's another thing where the Dominican diaspora, the farther you get from like the first generation Dominican, the least they are connected to the Dominican Republic. So if, uh, if I were like me moving here to the United States, if I have children, they're likely to not, you know, vote in, they might vote in American politics just because of this specific case, but they don't know that they can actually vote in the Dominican Republic. So it's like, there isn't really like a, a voter education part of it, even though the La Junta Central tries to do like some online stuff and tries to engage with them from like the Dominicans abroad, which are a huge part of the turnout in the Dominican Republic. Um, but I think when, when Dominicans leave the Dominican Republic and they see the real stark difference between American and Dominican politics, um, I think that they, there can be some feelings of disillusionment. Um, and the fact that immigrants as a whole aren't really targeted um, systematically um, to get them to go out to vote, right? Or newly uh, naturalized citizens, which is why organizations like NUFM are, you know, really working hard to making sure that folks that are newly naturalized citizens that maybe haven't been um, given that information historically are brought into the system. So I think there's, you know, there's a myriad of things, um, but it, I think the whole, you know, the farther away you get from the first generation of Dominicans, I think that's very distinct to Dominicans. And I don't know why. I think it's el, el complejo de, 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 de Wakanagarix que tenemos, that we think like the American and the foreign is better than ours. So there's like this very intense internalized racism that it's like rejection of like our roots. And I think that definitely can affect um, political activism. Yeah. And I think also it also depends on, on how the community is organized, right? I mean, I think sometimes yeah. also, you know, how strong, you know, a community thinks that, that it's, it's vote is going to make a difference. Um, I think is, is, you know, make, makes a huge difference. And I think in a place like Miami, where I always find fascinating having, you know, moved from New York down here is that again, like we are all around and yet we are almost, you know, it's almost like we're, we don't know. It's almost like you almost don't even know who else is another Dominican, right? I don't want to say that we're totally into the shadows, but in some ways I think like we no, we're definitely Visible. You know? I, yeah. yeah, I also feel like I'm the only Dominican in in Miami, even though like I that's not true at all. I have family that that lives here and 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 all this other stuff, but it's we're like that invisible like sub demographic in the Hispanic community. And it, and you're right, it's such a such a when I feel like where there is um there's more activity in like like um Dominicanos votando en el extranjero, mientras más Dominicanos votando en el extranjero, más visibilidad hay en la comunidad. So if you look at Boston, you look at New York, you look at Pennsylvania, places where there is a high number of Dominicans voting abroad, there is usually like more visibility in those communities. So that going from an environment like that into Miami, where maybe the, the Dominican diaspora isn't as visible and as strong, you know, that can really create kind of a, a feeling of like, oh, I don't, you know, my, my community isn't really stepping out and going out to vote you know my community you might feel like your community is invisible here yeah i mean i, I think that, i mean it's a really interesting point
point, especially because, you know, politics and then voting is such a, is such a, um, you know, it's such an activity, right? It's such a habit forming mm-hmm. activity, right? And so if you're used yeah. to, you know, I know growing up, like, you know, the, the major thing that, that, that people made was that, you know, if you got folks used to voting for school board or for school board elections, then asking them when they were citizens to then suddenly now vote for local elections wasn't that far of a jump, right? As long as people got mm-hmm. into that activity. So, I mean, it's real fascinating. It would be fascinating to see, ask our kind of scholar friends to look at the, you know, the, the you know, the, the actual percentage rates of, of participation in the, in the extranjero and kind of really compare it into the two that. Um, I also think that Miami and for better or for worse, the sense of Latinidad in Miami is a little bit different also in some of those other places, right? I think, um, yeah. I, think I, I don't think here until very recently, I don't think you really had that much organizing even around nationality because Cubans took up such a, a large space, right? Um, it yeah. hasn't really been into like stuff with Venezuela and, and Colombians and some other stuff. Um, I think that you've seen a lot of that. I also wonder from, from a class standpoint too, um, you know, until recently, I think, you know, people have said some of our folks who we've interviewed that have said that that the Dominicans who, who at least first came here, maybe perhaps they were more middle class. Maybe perhaps they were more folks who, who didn't need the, a certain level of um, political identification in terms of with Dominicans. Yeah. And so in some ways, maybe they, they allowed them to have the, the privilege or the luxury to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. lay in the cut, you know, as opposed to other people. Yeah, places. definitely. Mm-hmm. I agree. I really do agree. Um, you know, another thing I want to ask you is, is you know, you being the Dominicana and we're all here being Dominican, is there any <laughs> activist that um, that you think the world should that needs to know or an influencer that's Dominican that has, it doesn't necessarily have to do with politics, but maybe that you think will open up somebody's eyes, either a Dominican eye or, you know, Dominican-American or just anybody's eye that is, is somebody that you feel that... Uh, maybe doesn't have the shine that it, that it should get. Yeah. Um, I follow a lot of uh, body positivity uh, Dominican uh, ladies. Uh, they are, one of them I actually knew from high school. Um, her Instagram is on Free Soul. Um, she recently did a campaign um, targeting um, obviously body positivity in terms of like guys um, and how people like Dominicans are very Dominican straight men um, are very, you know, they like petite, tiny women. Um, I think that that's slowly changing to adapt more to like the new American standard of beauty. Um, but there's this whole thing about like body hair and um, stretch marks and like the like what a real body looks like. And she recently did this campaign um, and it's been being reported by Instagram a ton and they're taking down the post because, you you know, Instagram is a horrible platform, but also like extremely effective in, in reaching, you know, millions of people. Um, but she's Dominican. She uh, is uh, an artist. She's also an environmental activist, um, which a lot of people should be. Every single Dominican should be an environmental activist. You live in an island, um, which is, you know, one of those things that I, I you know, I just get tired of reminding people. Um, but she's really great. Um, and then um, there's another one that I that she's a singer called La Marimba. She's also like very eco friendly um, and does a lot of uh, aside from her singing, does like a lot of activism around that. Um, so I think those two um, definitely deserve a lot more shine than, than they do. 
Um, I can't think of any like Dominicans living in Miami or living in New York, unfortunately. Um, I could always plug in my best friend, Erica, who's <laughs> an artist living in New York. Um, she has, um, she does a lot of print design, um, but that's just because she's my best friend and I think she's incredible. Um, she's also Dominican. Um, her handle is uh, EM House of Design. So she's, she, she gets the plug as well. <laughs> Can you repeat that one more time? We, you know, we, we, we like Dominicans. ¿Qué? ¿Cómo se dice? Yes. Um, her her handle is E M, so the letter E, the letter M, house like a house of design. Nice. Well, definitely have to check it out. Definitely have to check. So that that's that's the that's the thing to do. That's always the thing to do. Mira, Teresa, I think one of the things also, and you say, you know, especially when you're talking about some of these folks, some of these influences too, is is the truth is is that um, you know Dominican for all the discussion that Dominican men may want to put themselves out in front in terms of politics. The truth of the matter is, is that we also know that there's a lot of power in Dominican women. You know, there a lot of it, you know, a lot of our folks are, are you know, I, I would argue to say a lot of our culture is matriarchal. I think we also see in terms of um, the people who are movers or shakers, um, whether it's familial or whether even in communities, a lot of times come from, you know, in terms of being in terms of a woman. And so I, I now I'm curious to see how you see that, especially in a place like Miami, where Miami, a city that's founded by a woman, there's a lot of female, you know, women leaders and stuff like that how does you know like and, and some people are even talking about this being the year of the woman um especially politically in terms of you know based on some of the successes that folks uh, had last year both as elected officials and at the ballot box so i'm just curious how with all that kind of swirling around what does that mean especially for um latina dominican women um going into the political cycle um i think that that's true and well true mostly um in progressive circles I think the moment you step outside of that, you really get a sense of the real misogyny slash racism that is really out here um, when you step outside of that bubble. Um, I do think that as a society, um, we're moving a lot closer to what it should be, that women really are seen equal to men. Um, and including, and I, I always like to push it beyond, you know, the, the two genders, um, folks that identify as women. Um, I always want to make sure that we're thinking of it, you know, of gender, not so much in like the binary way, but in the spectrum. Um, which if you say any, if you think about, if you talk about that with any Dominican, they're like, what, what, what are you talking about? Like just, you know, complete like brain malfunction. But I think it's important that, um, you know, with platforms like these, um, where we can bring to light kind of new ways of thinking coming from, you know, whether it's young or, or any, any age, um, you know, Dominican folk, um, so that people can kind of start breaking those barriers. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, in Miami, um, I think that's all fine and well in progressive circles. I think that um, women that work in politics and women of color um, work very hard and are always in the trenches of, of it um, and always, you know, try to fight back against, against injustice. Um, and I certainly see that within my own organization, um, some of the work that we're doing with criminal justice reform um, that primarily affects women of color um, is, is truly remarkable. Um, and it's, you know, kind of a scary thing to go up against, you know, private prisons and, and the prison system. Um, 
Um, but I think that, um, you know, having, um, having these kind of discussions, um, and, you know, pushing the boundaries and making people a little bit uncomfortable, um, and trying to do that. I always try to do that with my own family. I love making my conservative relatives uncomfortable. Um, and cause I think that that's my, um, my power as a, as a young Dominican, you know, woke woman, um, so to say. Um, so I always want to encourage people to, to do that. And in a place like Miami, where we're in such a, you know, a, a relatively safe base for most people. Um, and we're kind of at the, you know, the nucleus of like art and self-expression and music, um, and all these different things. Um, we are living in a very, uh, in a, in a bubble that allows for that to happen for us to, to really, you know, be who we truly are and make sure that other communities that don't share those, those privileges are able to, you know, do that as well. Um, but as soon as you leave anywhere north of West Palm and Florida, it's like, you know, it's a little rough out there. Um, so there's still a lot of work to do, um, in terms of, um, using, uh, building people power, um, and empowering women, not just here in Miami, but beyond. No, that's, I think you're absolutely true, but I, I must say, I think our conversation got un poquito heavy. Me siento. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's... So, I don't know, but you know what? But now you know what time it is? Ah, yo, mio, this is my favorite part of the program. I know All right, all right. <laughs> she doesn't know anything about it. This is our rapid fire questions. Okay, are you ready? I don't think so, but <laughs> just, let's do it. Okay. Merengue o bachata? Merengue. Totona Maduro? Maduro. Now, this one's the hardest one. Mm-hmm. Listen very carefully. Think carefully, think carefully, because this may have an implication on like voter registration, on people coming out, specific participation. Oh my God. Tu nunca sabes, tu nunca sabes. Yeah, Ready? Okay. All right. Oh my god, I don't know what either of those things are. Yo mio! Ay, yo mio! <laughs> so okay, okay. The sad thing is that you know I'm diabetic, so I really can't drink either of those two, but still, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, okay, that, that's my answer. I can't, yeah, I can't drink sugar. I'm I'm vegan. I'm keto, I don't know. Okay. And then I, 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 I'm gonna be nice, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down. And how about Brugal or Presidente? Oh my God! One of my really good friends works at the Cervecería. Oh my God! Now, that now that now hits home. Now it hits home, Dad. You're gonna go with Brugal, okay? Okay. Yeah. Well, now now we know what to get you for your birthday. All right, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Well, that—that's always our light, our, our light-hearted rapid-fire thing with the Golpes is always, you know, because again, you know, we are your Kelo Que podcast, your mangu for your soul, and we wouldn't be, uh, we wouldn't be us without, uh, without disremembering some of those, um, some of those things. You know, Teresa, I know, you know, we, we really enjoyed talking to you today. I think, you know, the truth is, is that um, there are a lot of folks who occupy um, political spaces um, that are doing a lot of really great work, are doing really the, the hard work that it takes to move us into, and you know, move our country and move our local communities closer to the power that um, that they should naturally deserve and naturally have. I guess in terms of as we wrap up, I'm 
curious to hear, see, again, reflecting upon your experience here, um, you know, in the country as you balance, um, you know, identity, um, self-awareness and reflections, you know, can, can you think of a time perhaps when perhaps you've been too Dominican to be American and, and too American to be Dominican? Oh my God. Mine, from, I, I, I literally felt that way. Um, right after we lost the election in 2016, up until like January of this year, um, I went through a real, I think people, when they graduate college, um, and again, my college had a really big Dominican community that really made me feel safe and was my, is obviously still, but at that point was my family away from my family. Um, and I kind of uprooted, I graduation kind of made me go into this, you know, complete free for all. Cause like, you don't know what's going to happen after you graduate, you know, you do four years and then you hopefully have a job and then you kind of figure it out day by day. Um, so after we lost the campaign, um, aside from those feelings of, you know, losing the 2016 election, uh, I think like, you know, I moved to Texas, which was a whole situation where when you think there's no Dominic, like there were no Dominicans in Texas, I can assure you. Um, and that really made me feel like, you know, people thought that I was Mexican or they were like, I don't know where you're from. I don't know where the Dominican Republic is. And then it's like, I don't feel comfortable coming back home because I want to be back here in the States. Um, and the way that I dealt with that kind of feeling of not feeling at home in the VR, but not feeling at home in the States um, was really working through my identity as a Dominican and the way that I did that was forcing myself to move back home. Um, and I adopted a puppy, which always helps everything. So she's the light of my life. Um, I, I say that I now have a daughter back home in the Dominican Republic. Um, and I was able to really reconnect with some of my, my high school friends. I'd never lost touch with them, but we really, you know, I think we're now closer than ever. Um, so I think if you are a Dominican living in the state, um, and you have the ability to move back home for a little bit, um, definitely do it. Um, that really helped me in my own um, self kind of being okay with my identity and who I was. Um, and, you know, all that comes with, you know, being in your early 20s. But I think that that really kind of drove it home for me because I'd always felt connected to the American way and the American culture um, because I'd worked so hard my entire, you know, teenage years to learn the language and know all the shows and know all the experiences and try to be as in tune as I could be. But I um, inadvertently detach myself more and more from my roots. And I don't think that that does my own personal growth justice or my, the people that love me back home. Um, so if you can, um, you know, do it. Go back home for a little bit. Reconnect. Bebe de una cerveza. Come de un mango. There's nothing wrong with that. El mango que tú te comiste en Doral no es el mismo que te vas a comer en tu casa. So, Eso sí, es verdad. Porque lo, tu mamá lo hace suavecito. Suavecito. That would be great if my mom could cook, but uh, <laughs> I have, I have a, a mother that was not born with the cooking gene. Um, I, 
I was, and my brother is, but my mother, my God, don't ever eat anything she makes. Ah, cuidado, esa, esa cosa, that's scandalous, that, oh, that might just get know. back to her. Uh, no, no. <laughs> you know, I'm very public about it. Yo te escuché en ese podcast. That reminds me of the time that my mother told me about something I posted on Facebook and she doesn't even have a computer. So, you know. <laughs> so, okay. I, my, mom, my mom has given me uh, so much more and so many more valuable things than food. Like no doubt. My no pain doubt. and my sense of humor. Well, mira, Teresa, it was great having you here. I think, you know, one of the things that you point out to is that at the end of the day, you know, community is a living, breathing thing, right? It's not something that's in the past. It's not something in the future. It's something that we live kind of daily. And, you know, however we construct that community, um, you know, culture plays a role in that, whether it's the food we, you know, we eat or the memories we associate with it. Um, and so we really, you know, are, are, are really happy to have you here as part of our kind of list of interviews and folks. I mean, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast and really creating this platform is to, to let people know that we are here, that we are not invisible, that we are not in the shadows, that, that um, you know, Dominicans breathe and walk among us and are doing a bunch of different things out there. And that doesn't make us perfect, but that does make us, um, it, it does mean that we exist. And so um, we, we, we hope um, that you'll continue to call this place at least part of your network of home. And when you've got stuff that you want to promote and let us know that New FM is doing, please feel free to, to let us know and to, and to come back on the show to talk a little bit about that. And as you continue your journey, you know, let it, you know I think we all know that, that there are many of us out there um, who are working in politics, who are working in a bunch of different fields. And, you know, we, we do best when, when we are, um, when we are working together. So thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you. All right. And like I said to folks, thank you and to the our listeners for tuning in um, as you always do. And, and, and as we often say here, as we end, as long as there's bonchincha to spread and Dominicans to profile, que lo que will always be here. Thank you so much, folks. Have a good night. Thank you.